Noon. Everybody get a full belly? I'm, keep, I'm just kind of watching everybody because you guys are the spiritual ones. You guys are the saved ones, right, being here in the afternoon and not going bowling or any of that stuff, right? You can't get enough word, can you? Well, let me tell you, I believe you guys are in for a treat. And uh, how many of you have heard uh, Barry Bennett in the past raise your hand? Oh, look at that. You got quite a few. So that's wonderful. Well, Barry um, has been, uh, had a lot of different positions in ministry from a missionary to pastor to obviously a Bible school teacher and dean of students to many other roles and all that. But um, he has just a lot of experience in ministry and dealing with people. And I believe what he's going to share with you today is just going to be a blessing. So let's welcome Barry Bennett. Good afternoon. Everybody enjoying the conference? All right. Now, I know it's after lunch, and uh, the tendency is to, to nod off. So I'll be watching. And uh, it won't be any different than, than class time, really. So, so we'll try to keep you entertained here. Praise God. All right. Well, I, I, I want to talk today. This is something... Uh, knew that I haven't really taught like this before, so it's always a little bit intimidating to launch into something for the first time, but I, I really feel impressed to share this. And I want to talk about, and my title is, Right and Wrong Thinking. Right and Wrong Thinking. And as Gary mentioned, I've had uh, many different experiences over, over many years in the ministry, and of course, ministry is dealing with people, and it's interesting how often, uh, I'm sure this may have happened to some of you, someone will come up to you and explain why they did what they did or explain what they are going to do and how they are going to do it. And you're thinking in your mind, this will never work. They're, They're on the complete wrong path to accomplish this goal or they'll explain why they're in the mess that they're in, and, and you'll, you'll be thinking to yourself silently, I, yeah, I could have told you that would happen. Why does that happen so often? And for some of us, why does that continue to happen? Uh, wrong thinking. People, I think probably, and my son is very big on this subject, uh, on the idea of teaching people how to think. I think he even has a series on that, teaching people how to think. We need to learn how to think. Go with me, if you will. Let's go to Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55. And let's look at verse 8. It says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, Neither are your ways my ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Now, I I was thinking about this. No pun intended in some of the the words here, but I was thinking about this, and and I realized God thinks. It says, my thoughts aren't your thoughts. Therefore, God thinks. And so I started thinking about thinking. What? What does it mean to think? What's involved in thinking? And I came up with certain ideas, and, and uh, this, this is just my own ideas on it, but 
thinking involves knowledge or acquired information. You need acquired information in order to think. Thinking involves experience, which is knowledge gained through participation and practice. We all have a lot of experience, and, and you know everyone's familiar with the school of hard knocks. Uh, we learn a lot of things the hard way. Thinking involves reason, which is the exercise of logical thought. The exercise of logical thought. And then the, the fourth one I came up with was logic, before I started looking up definitions. And logic was sound thinking and proof by reasoning. And so there's something of a circular definition here with reason and logic. But all of these things are involved in thinking. Knowledge is involved, experience is involved, reason is involved, and logic is involved. And God says, the way I have my knowledge, my experience, my reasoning, and my logic aren't the same as yours. My thoughts aren't your thoughts. The way I think is different than the way you think. And I've, you know, as I consider that, as I meditate on that, and as I look at people's lives, and I used to work before I came over to CBC, I was in the, uh, in the ministry side of things working in the uh, correspondence department, answering people's questions and doctrinal questions and their issues. All of the emails and letters that used to come into the ministry or still do, but I used to be involved in answering all of those. And as you read thousands upon thousands upon thousands of emails and letters, you begin to see patterns in how people think. And you realize these thought processes are leading them to failure or destruction or negative things because they're not thinking correctly. And even people that have been walking in the Lord for many years and may have experience in the Lord and and things of the Lord still can be prone to fits of bad thinking, which will in turn produce results that are going to have have impact in their life. So I want to, let's look at, go with me to Numbers 13. I want to look at an example. Numbers 13, this is very very familiar probably to most of you. I want to look at an example of bad thinking. It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel, of every tribe of their fathers shall you send a man, every one a ruler among them. Now, Let's let's look at what God just said. I want you to send 12 what? 12 rulers. Where are they going? Where are they being sent? To the land what? Which I have given them. Their their mission is to go spy out something. These aren't the the weakest. These aren't the most most fearful. These are the rulers of the people. 12 exceptional men go out to spy out the land. Now, if you'll go down, and you know where this is going. I'm sure most of you know the story. And they come back to Moses. I won't read all of these verses, but they come back to Moses and to the people, and they give their report. And they say that, yeah, we went. The land is great. Things are huge. Everything is plenteous. It's, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. But there are giants in the land. Their cities are armed and walled. We seem like grasshoppers in their sight. And we don't think we can do it. And then they go on. If you go to Exodus, or excuse me, Numbers fourteen, uh, verse three, here's their conclusion: 
Wherefore has the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return unto Egypt? Now, can you see any wrong thinking here? See, God said, I have given you this land. Send 12 of your best people to look at it and and see how great this is going to be. I've given this to you. They came back, and I was was able to realize there were three areas of wrong thinking that were going on. First area, they had wrong thinking about God. Wrong thinking about God. What was their conclusion? We just read it, uh, Numbers 14.3. Did you bring us here to kill us? Couldn't you just have left us in Egypt? Why did you bring us out here to get slaughtered by these big guys? See, they had wrong thinking about God's heart, God's motivation, God's purpose. Everything about their knowledge of God was wrong. That wrong thinking then continued into the next level of thinking, which is wrong thinking about themselves. They had wrong thoughts about God, and they had wrong thoughts about themselves. We look like grasshoppers compared to these guys. We, we, there, there's no way. I mean, have you, seen, have you seen these guys? They're huge. And so instead of realizing that they were God's chosen people, that they had an identity, that they had a purpose, that they had a mission, they had a destiny, and all they were doing was going to look about how good it was going to be, rather than taking all that into consideration, they're wrong thinking about God, did you bring us out here to kill us, made them think wrongly about themselves, there's no way, and then finally, we're not able, and then finally the third area of wrong thinking was about the circumstances. We can't do this. It's too much. So getting to the wrong thinking about the circumstances began with wrong thinking about God. It continued with wrong thinking about themselves. And then it, the fruit of that was, we can't do it. And all of this is, is, has nothing to do with God. It has everything to do with the way they are processing, the way they are, are using logic and reason and experience and knowledge of God. It is showing a tremendous lack, though they are walking with God. Moses is hearing from God. The presence of God is with them. They've seen the miracles coming out of Egypt. They have all of this experience, but nonetheless... In spite of all their experience, they're still not reasoning the way God thinks. Now, in Romans 12, 2, it says, Be ye therefore transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your thinking, how you think, Because how you think is going to determine how you enjoy the will of God, how you experience and and live in the will of God. If you're thinking wrong, even though you're born again, you're not going to enjoy all of God's will, which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Or in other words, in order to understand who God is, you have to have your mind renewed. To understand who you are, you have to have your mind renewed, and to understand your Influence in the midst of the circumstances, you have to have your mind renewed. Thinking is huge. And people will come all the time and they'll, and they'll lay out their plan to you. And they'll say, I, I believe this and this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do the other. I can, I, you know, I'll use myself as an example. I was a Bible school, recent Bible school graduate, recently married, 
Actually, we were still in Bible school, recently married. And I felt the Lord say, go to Mexico now. That's what I thought he said. What he said was, or what he was doing was sowing in me the vision of missions. But my thinking was wrong. And so what I thought he said was, go to Mexico now. So we graduate from Bible school. I load up my Volkswagen. I had two, $300 in cash, I think. A, a new bride who we didn't know at the time was pregnant. And I had $300. And man, what more do you need? And off we went to Mexico in my Volkswagen. Now, we lasted four months. And over those four months, God adjusted my thinking. <laughs> because... I thought, hey, if God has sent me to Mexico now, then God is going to provide. And so because where God guides, God provides. Great cliche for me right there. So there should be plenty here. And so my thinking was someone's going to take care of me because God sent me to Mexico. Actually, all God had done was clear his throat, and I took (laughs) off to Mexico. (laughs) But I had the idea that, well, if I'm here, then God is obligated to take care of me. Well, God didn't feel that way. And so we started eating lots of beans and pancakes and putting in pennies of gas at a time to try to get to our language lessons. And over the course of four months, our money ran out, and we were down to nothing. Now, makes for great missionary stories, but it was wrong thinking that got me there. And so we came back with our tail between our legs and and started over, or my tail between my legs, I don't know, my poor wife, she just follows me. <laughs> but, uh, but I realized I, I, have, I have miscalculated what I thought was the voice of God. I don't doubt that he had sown something into my heart, but I processed it wrong. I used wrong reasoning, wrong, wrong knowledge, wrong logic. Everything was wrong about how I processed something that God put into my heart. And someone else, if I had been wise enough to listen, someone else could have told me this isn't going to work. I probably wouldn't have listened because I was young and I knew everything. But, but now, as I'm a little bit older, I can see the same patterns in other people. And as the dean of students, I get to deal with all, all of the students, and they come to me. And, you know, and I, you know I, I try to be a fatherly figure and try to be patient and understand, you know, I, I've been there, done that. But I can see wrong thinking in so many, so many students' uh, situations, that they're in economic problems because they haven't learned how to think correctly the way God thinks. It says, my thoughts aren't your thoughts. My way of processing isn't the way you process. My reason isn't your reason. My logic isn't your logic. And so if we're going to be successful, we've got to learn how to think like God thinks. So let's, let's think about this a second. No pun again, intended. Wrong thinking about God. What are some wrong thoughts that people have about God? Well, and I don't know many of, most of you here, but uh, one of the biggest, and Andrew talks about this a lot, is the sovereignty concept of God, that God is controlling all things. Well, that kind of wrong thinking, that God is controlling all things, is then therefore going to impact the way you think about yourself and impact the way you think about the circumstances. And if that is your theology, and there are many fine Christians, but that is their theology, that impacts the way they live life because of the beginning of their thought process. God is controlling everything. Or the catchphrase, well, God has everything under control. 
which is just simply a way of saying, I don't know what to do, and I, I'm just going to just let things happen the way they happen, and then I'll blame that on God. So there is a wrong thinking there in the very beginning, that God is controlling, God is condemning, God is distant, God is harsh, or God is permissive. All, are, all of these are things, ways that we can begin to think about God which are going to produce, produce negative results in our lives. You know, what, is your, what is your thought process when you think about God? Well, we've been getting some good teaching here last night and today about, about the love of God. Praise God for that. But so many Christians don't have that. Their concept of God, I'll say, flavors the way they approach everything else in life, every relationship that they have. So wrong thinking about God is, is where everything starts. It will eliminate any chance for success in life. If you have created an image of God in your mind that is not accurate, that is not based on the revelation of the new covenant, the grace of God, if that's what you're carrying around as some inaccurate concept, that is going to impact the rest of your life. You will not have success in life. Wrong thinking about self. How do we think wrongly about ourselves? I'm not worthy. Oh, Lord, I am so weak. I heard a guy once at, at, at church, a church many years ago, but it was a church where the microphones were available to the congregation to come up to give words, and this one fellow came up, and he just fell down before the altar with the microphone and just started weeping and said, Oh, Lord, we are so weak. We are so weak. We are so weak. And this just went on. And I'm back in the, sitting in, in some other place in the church thinking, doesn't it say, let the weak say, I am strong. Let the weak say, see, there was wrong thinking there, an unworthy attitude, whereas Christ has done something in us that we should be proclaiming. Amen? Wrong thinking about self, that we're weak, we're fearful, self-centered, Wrong thinking about your abilities. Wrong thinking about, uh, which would result in pride, that you're self-sufficient. I don't need you to help me. I don't need the body of Christ. I don't need the church. I don't need anybody. I'm good on my own. Pride. See, there's a lot of, a lot of wrong thinking in, 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 perhaps in all of us. Arrogance. Or the victim mentality. Everybody owes me. Everybody owes me. Can't they see that I've had a hard life? Can't they see that I've lost my job? What's up with the church? Why don't they take care of me? That's wrong thinking. That's a different kind of arrogance, different kind of pride, but it's the same thing. I'm cursed. More wrong thinking. I'm just a product of generational curses. I'm just, this is just the way it is for me, and, and no one seems to be able to break these curses off me. Uh, it's all demons, it's the devil, the devil made me do it. All of this is wrong thinking. Casting off blame to someone else. Wrong thinking about your own abilities that you think you are prepared for things that you're not prepared for. And you, you have dreams that require preparation, but there's been no preparation, and yet you're trying to launch out into something that cannot possibly succeed because you're not prepared. You haven't prepared yourself for that. Wrong thinking about yourself. Wrong thinking about the circumstances. 
This would be the third area of wrong thinking. Lack of knowledge about what it is you're doing. Lack of knowledge, lack of preparation, and I've got here in bold, unrealistic expectations. Unrealistic expectations. If I said right now, I've decided God just spoke to me and told me to run for president this year. You got one vote. If I said, God just told me to run for president this year. Okay, anyone think here that that might be wrong thinking? Could that be unrealistic expectations? Now that, that's, that's, you know, okay, that's out there, you know, that's an, an extreme example, but I hear things like that frequently from people. God told me to, and fill in the blank. And I can see from my vantage point of my experience and my hopefully more sanctified, seasoned reasoning, I can see this is an unrealistic expectation. You can't get there from there. There has to be some steps in between. There's a lack of preparation. There's unrealistic expectations in this. And so you see people setting themselves up for failure, really. And you try to give counsel and you, you, you try to share and help them, but sometimes people want to do what they want to do. Unwarranted fears. Wrong thinking about the circumstances includes unwarranted fears, people that are fearful of everything. And another one I want to mention, and this one I was sharing the other day in class, is that sometimes we think we're failing when actually we're just simply in the wrong soil. Some seeds don't grow in every kind of soil. And when I was considering this, I thought, you know, when, I was, when we were missionaries, we were missionaries for 12 years, finally, after the Mexico debacle. Uh, many years later, we were sent out, and we went to, ended up in Chile. We spent 11 and a half years in Chile and a year in Guatemala, but mostly in Chile. And in Chile, at, uh, after three years, I got involved with a small home church in Santiago. And that church, uh, they asked me to be the pastor, and that church grew from uh, 30 to 300. That was its peak. And then there were some divisions and things happened as, as often happens. And yet my, my thinking was this, I, I believe God's called me to be the pastor of a megachurch. This will be the first megachurch in, in Chile. And I just had, I had this expectation that this is going to be a church of thousands. This is going to impact the nation and the region. I had all of these expectations, but I personally was not the person for that. I was not prepared for that. It was unrealistic thinking. I just thought it was going to happen. And then the next thing you know, I have a group of people split from the church because they don't like me. Where did that come from? I thought everybody liked me. They didn't like me. And a couple years later, this group, they don't like me either. And so off they go. And all of a sudden, my church of 300 is down to 150. And I'm thinking, what, what happened? And so I'm beginning to get frustrated, and failure thoughts are starting to come into me, even though great successes had been wrought. I had unrealistic expectations. And because of that, I was beginning to feel like I was, in the, I was doing the wrong thing. And when the Lord finally brought us back to uh, Texas in 2001, I had to get a job in a warehouse. I wasn't received back with open arms in a ministry position, anything of that nature. I got a job on an assembly line putting products into boxes as they rolled by. 
And the lights would blink and I'd pull the product, throw it in the box, it'd go by. I did that 12 hours a day, six days a week. Great man of God missionary. <laughs> and yet, God birthed something in me in that time to start. I was in a Spanish church. I wanted to stay in Spanish ministry. So we were in a church of a thousand people in Dallas of Spanish speakers. And God birthed in me the idea of starting a Spanish Bible school. And after one year, I presented that to the pastor. And he, he, uh, he was all for it. And he gave me carte blanche. And so we started a nighttime Bible school while I kept my daytime job. And I, I prepared Bible school lessons. And the next thing you know, this Bible school, the people are eating it up. They love it. And I thought, well, where were you when I was in Chile? <laughs> and it, I realized, wait a minute. I'm the same me, but the soil is different. And that was, that was a revelation to me. We did that for five years, and then God brought us up here. And I won't tell this whole story, but now I look at what God has me doing, and expon- it's exponentially greater, the influence. I'm still the same me, but the soil is different. And I, I, just, I realized I was, had wrong thinking about me, and my circumstances, I thought I was a failure when really I wasn't a failure. God was, was bringing me through a process. But when I got into the right soil, it was still the same me, but there, was, there were greater results. And all of that frustration was unwarranted. It was just simply a case of wrong thinking. This goes on in so many subjects. Let's think about it now in terms of some practical things. Let's think about money. Wrong thinking in terms of money. Anybody ever had a wrong thought about money? Okay, there's a lot of theology out there about, well, we know that money is the root of all evil. Okay, wait, 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 wait a minute. There's wrong thinking right there. Wrong quoting, too. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. But if you begin with the wrong thought about money, money is evil, intrinsically evil, then when you begin to think about yourself, wrong thinking about self is, I shouldn't really get too involved with money. Just enough to live on, just for me and my little family, and that's all we need, and that, that's, that's it. So now you've, you've boxed yourself in because of a wrong thinking about how God views money. Now you have a view of money that is wrong. And so when it comes to your circumstances, you don't have any money. And who's, who's to blame? Well, money's evil, and God is keeping me humble. See, all of these wrong thinking, or the other thing is, I don't have any money, but everybody else seems to, so they owe me money because God wants me to prosper. And God has promised to do miracles of provision in my life, loaves and the fishes, come on. And so people should be taking care of me because God wants me to prosper. So you have this thought that it's, God is obligated to take care of you even though you're not willing to take care of yourself. So the thinking about yourself is, People should be paying my school bill. People should be paying my rent. They should be taking care of me because I'm a child of God. And, and so th- this should all just be automatic. What, why, why, why wouldn't it be? So wrong thinking. And so your circumstances then come up with you can't pay your rent, you can't pay your lights, you can't pay your gas, you can't pay your school bill, you can't pay for groceries. How did you get there? Wrong thinking about God and money and you and money all of these things produce results that are, that are power, powerfully negative in our lives. Just because we haven't taken the time to reason and to think, my thoughts aren't like your thoughts, says God. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
Let's talk about marriage. <sighs> Dare I? <laughs> First thing, and on the, on the God level, okay, here's wrong thinking. Disagree with me if you like. Hold your, hold your comments and don't throw things. But in my mind, wrong thinking would begin with this. God only has one soulmate for you. There's only one perfect person. Now, to me, that's wrong thinking. It may, you, you may disagree, but just hear me out. If that is true, then the first two people to make a mistake and marry the wrong person ruins it for everybody else. Because <laughs> if Joe was supposed to marry Sue, but instead he got a thing going on for Debbie, so Joe married Debbie, then Sue doesn't get to have her mate, and Debbie's got the wrong one, and when Joe and Debbie have kids, they weren't even supposed to be born, for crying out loud. <laughs> and so the thing just goes on and on and on. That, this is what happens if you begin with that wrong thinking. So if there's only one, then God has to show me the one spiritually. There's nothing, I'm not involved in this process. He just has to show me. So you know what? Joe and Debbie were out parking one night, listening to the radio, and right as their favorite song came on, they saw a shooting star. And that's when I knew she was the one. So now Joe and Debbie get married because God sent a shooting star when, they played, when the radio played their song. So, that, I mean, what else do you need? And so they got married. And so now the circumstance, wrong thinking about the circumstances, if she's the one, then she should satisfy my every need because God, there's only one and that, that's it. She's it. So this, this, this should make me happy. A couple of weeks, months, or years go by and all of a sudden you realize... <coughs> Marriage is more than shooting stars and, and songs. It's more than mystical ideas about why we got together. When I talk to young people about marriage, see, I, I find sometimes a lot of wrong thinking. They haven't thought it through. They haven't looked 10 years down the road or five years down the road. They're looking for mystical signs. Well, we saw the number six on a billboard, and that's our favorite number. And we saw this, and we saw that, and we had this, and the song played, and the shooting star. And, and so we know we're supposed to be together. And what I'm listening for is we've spent the last year getting to know each other, spending time doing the same things. We've been in ministry together. We've, we've gone places together. We know each other. We complement each other. Our mental capacity is enhanced when we're together. Our emotional capacity is enhanced. We love the same things. We have the same vision. We want to go to the same places. That's what I'm listening for. People that have come, taken their free will and come to know someone and making a decision. But what I'm hearing is, we saw a sign. I had three dreams and a vision. And so this must be the one. Well, when you start with wrong thinking about God, then this, this filters on down. And this wrong thinking, then five years, and how many times have I seen these, these couples that this was the one, and five years later, they're divorced? Because they think that marriage is a mystical thing rather than marriage being a covenant between two people who need to learn to live together, grow together. They need right thinking. They're not thinking the way God would have them think. Anybody still with me? 
All right, a couple of you. My destiny. Wrong thinking about your destiny. Well, God controls all things. There's the first wrong thought. In terms of thinking about God and your destiny, God's controlling my destiny, which leads to, I'm only clay. God's the potter, I'm the clay. More wrong thinking. See, if you go to the scriptures and look up what that's talking about, you're not clay. That's referring to to God's dealings with Israel. Israel was the clay. I'm not clay. If you think you're clay, have a nice day. I'm not clay. I've been born again. I'm a new creation. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm not clay. But a lot of people have the mentality that, that you're just a lump of clay and God's got control of all things and your destiny is in his hands and que sera, sera. That is wrong thinking, and so you don't participate. The end result of that is you don't participate in any, anything God has for you to do. You're completely passive. And where that leads to in the circumstantial is this. God causes all bad things to work together for good. Does anybody have a problem with, with what I just said? See, that's wrong thinking. First of all, you've inserted a word that's not even there. Secondly, you've taken the verse totally out of context. But that's how people, and you hear this all the time. You hear it from Hollywood stars, you hear it from athletes, you hear it from people on TV all the time. Well, you know, God causes all things to work together. And what they're meaning is, all bad things, to work together for good. That's wrong thinking. Which then leaves them in a place of passivity and exposure to all of the negative things that go on in the world because my destiny is in his hands. I'm just a lump of clay. He'll make whatever he wants to happen, happen. Whereas someone with right thinking realizes that God has ordained and created us in his image to be his under-rulers, his administrators, his ambassadors, to go out and do his will, equipped with his nature, equipped with his giftings, equipped with his spirit, equipped with his power, we are laden down with, with the presence of God to go out and do something in the name of God. And greater works shall we do. But see, wrong thinking steals that from us and we end up not doing what God would have us do. We don't fulfill our purpose or our destiny because we start with a wrong concept of God. Some people, let's go to 1 Kings 17. Some people... This came to me the other day because my wife and I, for the first time in our lives, we, are, we now own a home. We've always, because of our missionary lifestyle and different things, we've always rented. And so there is a, I, I noticed after buying a home and, and being the owner of a home, something new to me, I noticed a different mentality from when I was renting. When I was renting, there was always a safety net. It was somebody else's problem, ultimately. If something breaks, they have to fix it. Now, as the owner, there's no more safety net. Something breaks, I have to fix it. And as I thought about this, I thought, I'm now responsible for this home. I'm responsible for every appliance, every, the electrical system, the plumbing, the, the yard, the fence. I'm responsible for the whole thing. I can't call someone and say, hey, your fence blew over. No, it's my fence. It's my water heater. I have to do something about it. And I realize that there are some Christians that are renting life space instead of owning life space. 
and they are trying to have others take care of their problems. They are they're looking for, continually looking for the safety net because of wrong thinking. And the minute they get into a problem, well, someone else will pay for this. Someone else will take care of me. Someone else will, will solve this problem for me because I'm just renting. I'm just going through life as a renter. And you never take authority. You never take dominion. You never, become, you never reign in life, as Romans, I think it's 5.12 says. You never begin to reign in life because you have the renter mentality about life, which is wrong thinking. And as a result, you never, never get to enjoy your destiny because it's not really your destiny, it's somebody else's because they're paying your way. Let's look at an, an opposite example of that. 1 Kings 17.1. Elijah the Tishbite. He just appears on the scene out of nowhere. There's no history about this man. He just shows up in this chapter, verse 1. Elijah the Tishbite. Elijah, excuse me, the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. Now, what are the three areas we're talking about? First of all, his thinking about who? God. What is his thinking in regards to God. He, he must have had a correct relationship with God. He goes on to say, before whom I stand. He, his thinking about himself. Or I know who I am, I know before whom I stand. God, before whom I stand, I declare unto you. So his thinking about God is accurate. His thinking about himself is accurate. He knows who he is to the point that he is willing to present himself before the king and talk about the circumstances, right thinking about the circumstances. The circumstances, listen to this king, the circumstances obey me. By my word. See, now let's take this into our lives, our families, our homes. If you have right thinking about God and right thinking about yourself, then there should be an authority in you to give direction and leadership and guidance to your home to think correctly about how to provide for your family, to work, to get a job, to do whatever you need to do because you are in right standing with God. You have right thinking about God. You know who you are in Christ and you know what your responsibilities are. You're not just renting a family. You're just not renting life space. You are here to reign in life. You are here to think as God thinks. And he says, my thoughts aren't your thoughts. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, lack of thinking. Be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Learn to think as God thinks because that's why most of us are having chronic problems. We aren't thinking straight. And I, boy, I know, I know what I'm talking about because I have, I have had dumb thoughts in my life and my father would used to tell me, I don't think this is a good idea. He told me, it's not a good idea to go to Mexico with $300 in a Volkswagen. It's a great idea. God told me to go. Well, he was right and I was wrong. He even, wasn't even really serving the Lord back then. When I wanted to move on to a commune, I haven't told this story. <laughs> Back in the 80s when Jimmy Carter was president, anyone remember that? A lot of Christians were thinking about moving to the land, and I was one of them. 
And we had some friends that were doing that, and, you know, we were seriously almost to the place of moving and building our own little home on this land in central Texas. And my dad got a hold of me and says, what are you doing? Well, you just don't understand. Judgment is coming, Dad. God's going to curse this earth, and we're going to be out there safe in central Texas. That was the wrong thinking. That was dumb thinking. He could see it. He wasn't even walking with God. He could see that was stupid. See? As we grow, as we grow, our thinking begins to get in line with God. But sometimes it takes too long. Some of us aren't willing to seek out counsel. Get our thinking straight. Find out from people that have gone before you how to think right and how to prepare. All right, so Elijah had the knowledge of God. He had the knowledge of his relationship and his identity. And he had the knowledge of his role and his responsibility. So I want to give you three ideas here before I finish up. How do we begin to think correctly? How do we begin to think correctly? Number one, if you're taking notes, renew your image of God. Renew your image of God. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you. There's God thinking again. I know the thoughts. I know the logic, the reason, the knowledge, the experience. I Everything that's within him, he, know, he has thoughts that he thinks about you. I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Talking about, Arthur was talking about our failures this morning and how God has, is in the redeeming business. Did you know that God has already gone past your failure? into your future, and he's waiting for you there. He's, he's, he's already thought about your end. He saw the bump in the road, but that's not concerning him. He's already seen your end. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. Right thinking about God. Did you know God is for you? What does it say in James 1.17? Every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of life with whom there is no variance or shadow of turning. God hasn't changed. God's will for you is always good and acceptable and perfect. God is willing and has given us every gift in Christ Jesus. That's how God is thinking, but is that how you're thinking about God? He's our Father, our Healer, our Provider, our Protector, So renew your image of God. Number two, renew your concept of yourself. Renew your concept of yourself. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that we are, what, a new creation. I was thinking about this. I shared it with the students the other day. But when it says we're a new creation, now I was born again 39 years ago. And you could say that I became a new creation 39 years ago, which would be accurate. But I got the revelation of this the other day, that God's newness is perpetual. I'm a new creation right now. And now I'm a new creation again. And now I'm a new creation again. And again, and again. And every second of the clock that ticks by, you're being renewed. Our inward man was being renewed daily, it says. You're a new creation. So old things have passed away, and they continue to pass away, and they continue to pass away, and you continue to be new, and you continue to be new. See, if this is your image of yourself, and you're thinking like God is thinking, 
then you're going to be in a place of making wise decisions because you're not living in your past, you're living in the destiny God has for you, the good thoughts that he's thinking for you and towards you. Amen? Proverbs 23, 7, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. What, do you, what are you thinking about yourself? Most people, that's, where they, that's their sticking place. That's where they, they don't go any further because they think, I can't do this. I'm not good enough for this. I'm not prepared for this. I'm not, I'm not whatever the case may be. And as you think in your heart, you set the boundaries of your life. Every time an opportunity comes to me, I pray over it. And my natural reaction usually is, I don't think I'm qualified for that. And then I pray about it. And God usually speaks to me and says, yes, you are. I want you to do that. And I can list a number of, number of examples of that. My natural inclination is, no, I'm happy, I'm comfortable, don't want to stretch out anymore. And then I pray about it. So if you don't want to stretch out anymore, don't pray. But when you pray about it, then you start getting God's thoughts. And he starts showing you things that you didn't know about you. And the next thing you know, he's going to put you in a position where there's greater influence, greater fruit, greater productivity. And then you get comfortable there, and then, then something else comes up, and you think, no, I'm not, I can't do that. And God says, yes, you can. See, are you renewing your thinking about yourself on a daily basis? What do you think about you? How much value do you place on the things God has put in you? Well, brother, you don't know me. You don't know my past. You don't know all the stuff I've done. I thought you were a new creation. And again, and again, and again. So you can't live in your past and enjoy the future. That's wrong thinking. Wrong thinking. You are a new creation. So as you think in your heart, so are you. What are you thinking in your heart? Number three, evaluate the circumstances. We're talking about three levels of thinking, how we think about God, how we think about ourselves, how we think about the circumstances. So number three is evaluate the circumstances in the light of God's purposes in the long run. Evaluate your circumstances in the light of God's purposes in the long run. I have a quote here from Zig Ziglar I really like. It says, the chief cause of failure and unhappiness is trading what you want the most for what you want now. People trade what they want the most. They want a a good wife, a happy family, great kids, prosperous life, ministry, whatever. They, They want that the most. But something comes along that, oh, I want that now. And they'll trade what they want the most for something they want now. Well, she's my wife. We've been married 20 years and, you know, 20 years and she doesn't look like she did when we got married and and this one's prettier and I want that now. And you trade. Wrong thinking. You're not evaluating the circumstances in light of the long and the, the, the longer purposes of God. When you make a decision... Think about how this is going to impact the next five years, the next ten years. Not every single decision, you know, whether you should eat at Sonic or Whopper. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about decisions that have impact. 
Decisions about Bible school, decisions about whether I should stay for a third year or not, decisions about should I go to this church or that church, decisions that could have long-lasting impact on your life. Evaluate those decisions in the long run. What are God's purposes for my life? What is the draw of my life? What is the passion? What are the giftings? How is this going to complement the long run? And begin to think as God thinks. Let's go to Ephesians. I'll finish here. Ephesians 1. Seventeen. This is Paul's prayer. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That's number one. How do we think about God? Well, Paul's praying they would have a right concept of God, right thinking about God. That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, you may know what is the hope of his calling And what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in you. Right thinking about yourself. He's praying for people that they would learn to think right. And if you could hear, and I'm sure you have, all of the kinds of ideas and crazy things people talk about and think about. And you realize this will never work. They're They're not prepared or they have a wrong concept of God or they're not understanding the circumstances. There's no preparation. There's no planning. Man, when I go to buy something, I study it out. Maybe a lot of you are like me, but I get on the internet and I study out every single review and all of this. I plan, I look ahead, I think, now what is this going to mean to my budget in the long run? What is this going to mean in terms of repairs? How often does this thing have to be fixed? The maintenance. Do I have the budget to have this, this item? I'm always thinking ahead. How is this going to impact me in the long run? Rather than I know some people, well, it costs 500 Well, I've got 183 in the bank, and I have a credit card. So, yeah, I can do it. And so they're not thinking. And so then all of their debt accrues, and then they come in and see me and say, I can't pay my tuition this month. That's, no one laughed. Uh, that's wrong, wrong thinking. That's wrong thinking. So Paul is praying for them, that they would have a knowledge of God and they would know what his, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. You have value. You have value. Start thinking in terms of your long-term value, your long-term purpose in God. Verse 19, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but is in the world to come. And he's put all things under his feet. We'll go down to verse 6 of chapter 2. And has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Right thinking about God, right thinking about my value, who I am, and right thinking about the circumstances. Where are you seated? In heavenly places above what? The circumstances. And you learn to think about things in those terms. Think in the long term. Think in in how this affects the people around me. Don't sacrifice the thing you want most for the thing you want now. And plan and prepare. Jesus even said, which of you having not, would not count the cost if you're going to build a tower or go to war? Haven't you counted the cost? Start thinking like God thinks. He says, my thoughts aren't your thoughts. or my ways your ways. We can make that choice. We can become God thinkers. 
and think like him, plan like him, see like he sees, speak like he speaks, and change the destiny of our lives, our marriages, and our families. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. I want to pray for you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray that seed has been sown today, that your word has been heard, that hearts have been opened, and that time would be taken in our lives to meditate and to ponder these things. As we've learned earlier today, that thank God you give us second chances and third chances and fourth chances. And let us determine today to begin to think like you think, to see like you see, to think about how you are, how we are, and the reality of our circumstances. Instead of making the same mistakes over and over and over. Father, I pray that us, that we men in this room as the body of Christ, would begin to reign in life by one Christ Jesus taking control of our thoughts, taking every thought captive, thinking correctly, making wise decisions that we might avoid the catastrophes that are all around us. We don't want to be another statistic, Father. Lord, we want to be more than conquerors in this world. I pray for my brothers today, this word would find a place in their hearts. We give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Thank you, Barry. That was good. Good word. All right. Well, while they're changing up uh, microphones and changing the DVD, um, you know, this morning I talked about um, Karis Bible College and what it does. But we have, um, if you cannot get to the campus here, we have different ways uh, for you to receive these teachings in that. So um, one of the ways is through our DVD correspondence program. We have 30 courses. Each one contains about eight DVDs each. And um, this one is, uh, happens to be Barry Bennett, and he's teaching a class on healing. And uh, the topics in these eight DVDs are, let me just read them real quick to you. God's will is health and healing. What does God think about sickness? Healing and redemption. Why are we sick? The Attitude of Health and Healing, The Power of Words for Health and Healing, Faith for Healing, How We Are Healed, and also Seven Revelations That Will Heal You. But uh, this is one of our correspondence courses, and I want to give this away. If any of you are interested, now you need to do it. You need to take the course, and uh, we also have a test in here. There's nine DVDs. And um, this is kind of the bait for you to take all 30 of them, okay? <laughs> we have 30 of them, and this is valued at $110, so whoever wants it needs to run up here quick. He was already up here. All right. Okay, I have one more I'll do. All right. This one, um, this one is uh, Wendell Parr. He teaches a class on the Holy Spirit. He's not here this weekend. But um, he's one of the favorite instructors as well, and he's this uh, Holy Spirit one course is three works of the Holy Spirit, dispensations of the Holy Spirit, changes produced by the Holy Spirit, how to do the greater works, six qualities of the Holy Spirit, three things the Holy Spirit does in the world, what the Holy Spirit will do, and Holy Spirit power. Who needs Holy Spirit power? 
Somebody better run up here. Whoa, look at you. Way to go. All right. All right. We keep saving the best here. You thought I was done. See, I figure y'all are the studious ones. You want the word in a different way, right? So I'm going to give a little bit more of my, the free product away here. We also have Karis Bible College Online. The DVDs, you go on your own pace. You plug them in your computer or DVD player when you want. You could take a whole year to do it if that's what you choose. But we also have another method of uh, delivery, and that's our CBC Online School. These courses are on the, um, you, you log in, you could download them off the internet. You download the syllabus. You take the test, but it's an online class. You have a start date and you have a stop date. You're required to watch two lessons per week. You're required to respond to some questions after each lesson. You're required to respond to your classmates' um, responses as well. So we kind of, it's kind of a forced way to keep you going. We have facilitators in there. You could ask questions, and it's just a great way to get to know other online students. We have people, I think, taking them from 30 different countries along with the U.S., so it's gaining popularity. We have 249 students taking it this term, and again, it's becoming very popular and a great way to go. So I have a course here that is valued at $150. You get to choose which one of those 30 courses you want to take. But again, I don't want to give this away just to be sitting on someone's desk. If you are interested in taking the online, well, I happen to have two of them here, all right? So, all right. So the deal is here, you need to uh, contact Greg Macy, write that name down, and uh, let him know you received a free men's advance certificate. Greg. Greg Macy, G-R-E-G-M-A-C-Y. Contact him at our number, and uh, he'll get you registered if you let him know. That's good for one course. Again, though, it's a bait to take all 30 of them, okay? (laughs) 